let's say you feel you go to the movie theater and you're feeling a little cold and you're like, oh, I wonder if he's feeling cold. Or I wonder if she's feeling cold as well. Uh, I won't say anything. The movie's going, that's a mouse. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have my most amazing guest, David Wood. David, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure, Michelle. We had such a great conversation leading up to this. We should have recorded all that as well. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's always those green room conversations where all the good stuff comes out. But you'll find out, peeps. It's all good. So for those of you who have not heard about Dave yet, Dave, give them the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Sure. The simple answer is I help business owners to double their revenue and their happiness. I'm, I'm unwilling to choose just business coaching or life coaching. And I know you're supposed to, but the first 25 years of my life was spent getting good at numbers and business and systems and money. And so I was consulting to uh, Ford and Exxon and Sony Music on Park Avenue at the age of 24. And that was all wonderful. But then I discovered I knew nothing about intimacy, vulnerability, transparency, and true leadership. So the second half of my life has been catching up on all of those things and sitting with teachers and gurus and discovering the nature of life. So one of the nicest things a client said to me, well, he posted on a forum and said, it feels more like I've hired Yoda than a business coach. Um, but I think I'm going to go longer than six months now because it's because it's really awesome. So whatever's going to make your life great is what I care about. And if more money and having the business flow and do better as part of that, then I'm on board. I love it. So you have a different approach to working with people. Give us kind of a little bit of the background as to how you do what you do, because it's fascinating to me. Well, I don't know what other people are doing. So I don't know how to <laughs> You don't have to talk to that part. How about just talking yeah. about when you're working with somebody? Yeah, sure. Well, I start with what do you care about? And a lot of people don't take the time to work that out. We just, we're in autopilot. And so I start with a year from now, what would have you do the happy dance? And if I invite you to write this question down, listen to this podcast, write this down. What would have me do the happy dance a year from now? And if you want a little structure around it, what are three business goals or work goals and what are three life goals? 
And, you know, I sat with this question for, for a month once. What would light me up? What would have you calling all of your friends to say, check this out, this is what just happened? That's how you know that you're on the right track. And then usually we work backwards from there. All right, three months from now, how do we know that you're fully on track and, and rocking it? Because a year is too far out. It's just too far out. It's not like you can't relate what I do tomorrow to what I want in a year. So we bring it back. And then I have all of my clients do a weekly action plan, even if it's five or 10 minutes. So they know what matters this week and what doesn't. If you don't do this, you're usually operating without a rudder. You're just adrift on the ocean. So you don't really know where you're going. And it's overwhelming each week to work out what, what should I care about? How are you going to know what to say no to if you don't do this? And if you find that you're feeling scattered and overwhelmed, then I'm probably talking to you. So that's the simple, practical, boring part of what I do. The more interesting part is my clients speak and I listen. And then something could come out of my mouth that I've never said to any client at all. In fact, today, today I asked a client a question I've never asked anybody. I said, how is your center? And she, like, she spent five or 10 minutes just kind of feeling into that and trying to work out, is there a part of her body that feels like her center that she can come home to? And it was a wonderful session. So I, I love structure. I'm very left-brained, but the more exciting stuff comes out of the intuitive. And I'm more happy talking to a client who just got a cancer diagnosis about how she's going to live the rest of her life or someone whose kid doesn't really talk to them and he's wondering how does he really connect with his kid. I'm often more excited about that than raving about branding. And I love raving about branding and marketing and, and sales. I love it. So to you, how does somebody finding their center have to do with building their business? I like to me, that I go question. Obvious, but it might not be. <laughs> I, I like that question. In anything we're trying to do in life, life's going to throw us. Mm -hmm. We're going to get thrown. So there'll be times when we feel overwhelmed, <clears throat> overloaded, scattered, down. We might have thoughts like, I can't do this. What the hell am I doing? This is a disaster. And none of those things really serve business success. So often my job involves helping someone to get to feeling grounded and feeling solid, like they're on solid ground. And so just finding your center is an example of that. That's not always how we do it, but what would bring them back to, oh, okay, I got this. I got this. Not only have I got this, but now I'm excited and looking forward to this versus I'm freaking out. This is way too much. I don't know how to handle it. Now, other people might be in a more boring space of stagnancy and they might need some prodding, some poking, like, hey, take more on. You're not playing a big enough game. And then other people have got a big enough game and they want to navigate that joyfully instead of white knuckling it all the time. 
Nice. Nothing wrong with a little white knuckling, but you don't want the whole year to be looking like that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm it's curious what yep. I'm curious what your answer was. You said that you you thought it was kind of obvious, but how would you say that finding your center is connected to business success? I would agree wholeheartedly that when when people set big goals, goals that they don't know how to achieve, goals that scare them and delight them is that it's very easy to get off center because they're, they're thinking that they have to go a little this way or a little that way in order to be more like somebody else than, you know, to be able to achieve that goal because they don't know how to achieve that goal. They don't know who they need to be and they don't know how they need to act or whatever the case might be. And that kiltering of, you know, who do I have to be in order to achieve that can set people off their centers and they kind of forget who they are. And sometimes they totally forget who they are. And being able to bring them back to that center and saying, hey, you are absolutely perfect exactly the way you are right here, right now in the pursuit of this goal, knowing that because you've set this goal and it's important to you to the point that it excites you, by the way, you know that goals aren't really your goals if they don't excite you, they're just like something to do. But when they excite you, you know it's yours and you know that you have the potential to be able to do it. And now it's just a matter of taking those steps and moving forward. And then when you get a little off kilter to know who you are to go back to center, because that allows you to get in that flow of, wow, we are on fire. Stuff is happening magically that I don't understand. <laughs> like, why did all those lights suddenly turn green on the highway when you needed to get somewhere on time? I don't know, but when you're in that flow and you know who you are and you know what you're going after, it tends to happen a lot more often than not. I like it. That's yeah. Cool. Finding our center. I, I've done a lot of work with Byron Katie. Nice. And I think all suffering really comes down to one belief, which is it shouldn't be this way. And we can forget that because, you know, we're in this goal oriented society and goals are great. But as we go for it, we can get tunnel vision, we can get attached, and then, oh, I'm not going to get it. Something's wrong. And a reminder to find, I'll give you an example. I've moved into this new apartment in Los Angeles two days ago. And I historically have been very noise sensitive. And I've been concerned about moving from the country where, <laughs> yeah. I, have no, where I have no noise around me to Los Angeles where it's a whole different thing. And apparently while my front door is a long way from the elevator, my bedroom is right next to the elevator. So I can hear the elevator going up and down pretty much all day and I assume all night. And that has occurred to my brain as a problem, right? Like, Oh, what am I going to do about this? I'm going to have to move, you know, go into solutions, whatever. I was just doing a meditation before this interview. And I thought, how can I enjoy the sound? Not just tolerate it, but how can I enjoy it? Like, what does it mean to me? And what my brain came up with was anyone who presses that button is doing it because it's going to be good for them. It's like they want to get up home so they can rest after a long day, or maybe they're going to go out to a date and have sex with somebody, or maybe they work for the power company that's powering my lights. But this is good for whoever's pressing the button or they wouldn't press the button. 
And so that's how my brain's, and I'm like, oh, oh, I wonder, oh, I hear it again. I wonder who that is. And then I made up a story. That's the postman bringing me uh, my package for my office. So there's an example. The brain can do amazing things, but left to its own devices, it can do some very scary things. And that's where some reframe and some guidance sometimes in reframing, it can have it be like, oh, this, this actually isn't a problem at all. This is kind of cool what's happening. And I'm going to take a bunch of action to course correct and get it to where I want it to go. I love that. That is awesome. And to me, all of a sudden, every time you hear that bing, <laughs> like, yay, somebody might get late tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just little happy thoughts. And you go, you get them. <laughs> yeah. You. It's like in that book, of A Wonderful Life. Um, they say when a, whenever a bell rings, it's an angel getting its wings. And so, That's fun too, yeah, I like every mine. time I hear that elevator, ah, someone's getting late. Right. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. I love that. So talk to me more about kind of these these little niggly things that get in people's way of becoming all that they can be. Because like clearly you're you're doing a whole lot of work in that area. Talk to me more about the book that you're writing and kind of where you take people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So the book the book is called Mouse in the Room because the elephant is not alone. So we all know about the concept of the elephant in the room. You see something, I see something, no one's saying anything. And it's a great concept. And I think we all should be addressing the elephant in the room. Stop ignoring it. Don't be that person. There might be 20 people in a room and no one's saying what's actually happening. No one's saying, oh, it's, it's been two hours and we haven't had a break. Maybe we should take a 10 minute break or, oh, the energy seems a bit down in the room today. You just had lunch. What can we do to bring that back up? Definitely address the elephant in the room. But I'm writing the book because so many animals in the room are much more subtle. It might be something that you're feeling that no one knows about or something that happened that, that you're aware of and you don't know if the other person is. Uh, let's say you feel you go to the movie theater and you're feeling a little cold and you're like, oh, I wonder if he's feeling cold. I wonder if she's feeling cold as well. Uh, I won't say anything. The movie's going, that's a mouse. Any thought, feeling or body sensation you have that hasn't been yet named is an unnamed mouse. And I'm writing the book because for years, for most of my life, I was trained as most of us are to keep a lot of feelings and thoughts inside. My parents didn't say to me, David, how do, you, how do you feel about that? We're not gonna go to the park after all. How is that for you? How do you feel? Oh, where do you notice that in your body? What's happening in your body with that? Say more about anger. I can understand that you're angry. Say more about anger. Do you, do you wanna hit some pillows? Like that wasn't my upbringing. If you had a parent that, that did ask all of those questions, you were very, very lucky. So we learned that anger is not okay. Being disappointed or upset is not really okay. Being sad and crying is not really okay. I want to reverse that with this book. And the metaphor that came to me today is it's like there's a scary forest and you wonder if there's an ogre under that bridge or a witch behind that tree or what's that sound? What's going to get me? 
And those are, you know, and we, so we just avoid the forest. We don't want to go and name all those things that could have scary results. So we avoid the forest, but on the other side of the forest is all the good stuff that we want. It's the life that we maybe even haven't dreamed of. It's the business success that we haven't even dreamed of. This book is a guide to going into that forest, finding out that it's not as scary as it looked after all, and then getting to all the good stuff. And going into the forest is finding your mice, identifying what's going on with you. Oh, this is my emotion. Oh, this is what I'm upset about. Oh, this is what I'm truly wanting. We call, we've got different categories of mice. You've got desire mice. We've got toleration mice. We've got confession mice. And once you've identified them, the next step is to decide if it's something worth naming. And 80% of the time, I say it is. The reason you haven't is because you haven't identified them or it seems too scary or you haven't had a, had a roadmap on how to artfully name it. But once you got this, the next step is go and name that mouse with someone. Let them know who you are and what's happening. Hey, I notice I'm, I'm getting a little, little sleepy and I do want to complete this. What do you say we do another 10 minutes and then we wrap up this meeting? There's an example, but the book will give you a step-by-step -step process, we call it the 3D process on how to find them, decide if you're gonna, gonna, so discover is the first D, decide if you're gonna name it, we'll give you a process for that, and then disarm. Disarm the other person so that they're really prepped and ready to receive what you got. It's a game changer, it's a life changer. Right, absolutely. Because as, as you're talking about this, I can relate to, when I had those mice, I had a lot of mice. <laughs> I, had a, I had an infestation going on that shouldn't have been there. And at that time, it was exceptionally difficult, not only to name the mice, but to give myself permission to say the thing, because I notoriously got in trouble for not having filters <laughs> and saying the thing. So it was bad enough that I was saying the things that were socially acceptable, let alone well, when it came out of my mouth, it was socially unacceptable, let alone the things that I actually did filter out that in my brain I felt were worse. And I think so many people have these same kind of like there's <laughs> there's rooms within rooms and the back room mice aren't allowed out. The front room mice, okay, we can maybe deal with these ones. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm I love that it. you said that. Yeah, filter. We've, we've filtered things out so that we're not even aware. And I'll, I'll speak for myself. I just, I grew up without any awareness. I had a teacher that would say, be in your body. And he'd say this to a room full of people. And finally I said, what and how? I don't know what you're talking about. And people laughed. And the teacher said, no, that's a good question. And people came up with tips, like you could start wiggling your toes and just put some attention on your toes. That'll draw a little energy away from the brain. Eckhart Tolle's got some meditations in The Power of Now about a walking meditation. And I think meditation is really about drawing power away from the brain to put on other things. 
but I, I grew up not knowing what's in my body, what's happening, what are my emotions. Brene Brown says most people can identify three emotions. Wow. Three, right? So this book <laughs> is written to reverse that. It's a journey of self-discovery. In fact, I like that so much, I'm gonna write that down. It is a journey of self-discovery. And I do love that. I used to work a lot with executives and male executives in particular. And one of the questions I got, I would say, where do you feel that in your body? And then like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And we right. had to go through an entire process of, okay, so when you're thinking about this, do you feel different than when you're thinking about petting your dog or walking down the street? Well, yeah, of course. Okay. So <laughs> how do you know? How do you know you feel different? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, That's I don't know how crazy. you know. <laughs> There's, if you know it's different, how do you know it's different? And it, it's... I think it's a real issue for people to actually get into their perception of their body and to know, hey, I'm starting to get anxious. Well, what does that mean? You know, I, I don't know. I'm just, my heart's racing. My, I'm shallow breathing. I'm, you know, but they don't say, they can't make the correlation quite yet because we've been so far distanced from articulating how we feel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I was dating a, a Tantra teacher once and I'd say, how, how are you? How do you feel? And she'd say, oh, I feel like a deep resonance in my chest, like a C note resonating out through the earth. And I have a tingling in my fingers. And, it, you know, she, she'd give me like an answer for a minute. And then she'd say, how are you? I'd go, good. Good. <laughs> Right. That was all I knew. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, still a, I'm still a student when it comes to embodiment and, and being here and feeling, but I got much more awareness. Now, the thing is, if you don't name your mice with people, they won't trust you. They won't know why, but they're not going to want to be as close. They're not going to want to do business with you. They're not going to trust you for the sale. They're not going to say, oh, let's do an alliance or, or, or refer you to somebody else and they won't know why it's simply because what's actually going on with you is not congruent with what's coming out but if you're willing to take a risk take a little risk and be more you and name more of what's happening with you then they can start to trust you oh oh wow i really i really get that and, and this, is, this is a little different to what I'm used to. You just said something most people wouldn't even say. And I, just, I think it's good for life. It's good for business. Plus you're modeling so, and, and unconsciously giving other people permission to name their mice. I'd be like, oh, well, since you brought that up, uh, I wasn't going to say this, but I want to talk about this that happened a couple of weeks ago, or I'm wondering if we could shift this about how we do the meetings. You give other people permission. It's a leadership move. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's so important for people to understand that we're not just talking woo woo, like, Oh, you know, get in touch with your crystals and, and do this. It's actually understanding who you are and who you show up as who you bring into the room, because let's go back to when I had the infestation of mice People would often say that I was very aloof and they 
they just didn't really appreciate that. It was like, it was their way of saying that you're clearly distancing yourself from us and I don't know why. And in a sales presentation, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good because people wouldn't buy because they didn't know I'm hiding something clearly. So it must be important to the deal. Therefore, I'm not going to do business right now. And meanwhile, it could have been something as simple as, hey, I'm kind of getting the feeling like you're not really here right now and something else is going on. Meanwhile, that's a conversation going on in the back of my head, but I'm not giving myself permission to say it because it sounds rude or judgmental or toxic or whatever crap was going on in my head, yes. but I wouldn't say that. And then they're not trusting me thinking I'm hiding something from the deal. So now we've got these two people that are going, hey, no, I don't really trust you. And I don't really trust you either. So, okay, we're not doing the deal. And it didn't have to be that way. All it has to be is you're yep. not here right now. Or I feel like you're not here right now. Is there something else going on? Oh yeah, my you know my dog's going to the vet. It could have been that simple. And then yeah. all of a sudden we're in the same room together and now we're having a deal. But it's, so to me, it's that crucial. The, the stuff you're hiding isn't necessary to be hidden. It's not that you're having you know perverse thoughts and whatever else is going on that's inappropriate to have right now. That might be it, but I mean, more often than not, it's so much simpler than that. I love it. Yeah, you can bring this to sales for sure. You, you might say, you know, I, I'm kind of getting the feeling this isn't really your thing. Like, like maybe you don't right. need this. <laughs> or um, if that's what's coming up. I remember getting uh, advice from Alex Mondosian, who's an amazing marketer. Yeah. And I was going to go and I wanted to speak to a group of people and then offer a training for sale. And he opened my eyes to authentic selling, naming your mice. And so I got up there in front of 1200 people. And I said, I'm going to do everything in my power to motivate, influence, and persuade you to continue your training with me. I'm going to show you what's possible. And then at the end, I'll show you how to continue your training. And I figured the best way to get you to continue your training with me is to give you the best value I can in 60 minutes. And then you'll decide if it's for you or not. How does that sound? And they all went, yeah. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Great. Now, instead of trying to like sneak it in under the radar that I want them to buy the training, I've set it up front. I assume the trust that I had in the room went up. They knew they were going to get a pitch anyway. So now I've told them, I want you to buy this. And here's why. And let me show you the best. And I said, I'll show you how you can do it on your own. And I'll show you a much quicker, cheaper way to do it, which is my training program. And it was just so upfront. And then when I pitched it, I was thinking if I sell $10,000 I, I was younger at that point. I thought if I sell $10,000 worth, I can hold my head up high and uh, maybe I'll get invited back again. We sold $157,000 worth of training. And most of that was within in a 15 minute window that they had to go and buy. And then the next speech, I, I tweaked it and I improved the speech and we sold $387,000 worth of training and it was a smaller audience. Nice. So if you're thinking this is woo-woo, open your ears and listen 
I say there's direct business application to you becoming a better human and to you being more of you in the world. You get more love, you get more connection, more confidence, and you get more success. Now, you will lose things. I'm not saying this is all going to be roses. You may lose some people along the way. You may lose a job or some projects. But I say, what if those are the ones you're meant to lose and weren't that right anyway, and you're creating space for the right people and opportunities to come to you if you're willing to be you? Love that. So I know people are going to want to have more of you. How do they start their journey with you? You can go to mouseintheroom.com. That's how to start the journey. How easy is that to remember? (laughs) Mouseintheroom.com. And uh, if if the book is out already, we're launching it June 13. You can buy the book. Um, You may be able to pre-order by the time this, this interview airs because... I'm told that that's a really good idea by someone who I respect. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, I think. Um, or you can at least join the campaign and say, yeah, yeah I, I want to buy the book when it's ready and I want to uh, help promote it on social media and like that, mouseintheroom.com. If you're interested in coaching with me, if you're a business owner, you're already up and running, you already have some success because I don't do startups. Um Go to mouseintheroom.com and then go in the navigation. You can apply for a coaching session and we'll get on the phone and see if we're a fit. But it's all the same URL, mouseintheroom.com. Beautiful. Love it. So um, I just, I appreciate your time immensely and I'm super stoked about it. I know we could talk about this forever, but I'm going to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh, I love that question. Thank you. I love that question. I think it was a slow boil. It wasn't like a flash from the heavens. I, I quit my job in New York and I was going to go back and get another job in Australia. And I thought, what would I do if I had six months to do anything I want? Because when you're in between jobs, I always think you should take advantage of that right. flexibility. And I guess that was my first business that I created. I I decided I wanted to be a singer and entertainer for pubs and parties and dress up in a kilt and and sing 500 miles by the Proclaimers and put on an ABBA wig and sing SOS. And so I did that. I, um, and I, I really couldn't sing very well at all, but for a year and a half, I did that. And I earned $10,000 as a bad singer. Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. That. So that was the first business. And then I'd gotten hooked on coaching when I did the Landmark Forum be- before I quit my job. And I thought, I'd, I'd like to do that. And so I hired a coach and I went and got some coach training and I started and that was my second business. And I've never, ever stopped. That was in 98. I started doing that. And I found I was quite naturally gifted when it came to working out systems and implementing systems. And I got to number one on Google for life coaching and which was no small feat at the time. There were like 26 million results. Um, So that's, I call myself an entrepreneur because I just, I created 
those businesses. And then I started doing uh, online products. Uh, I created another couple of businesses that didn't really work. So I don't know if I'm a true entrepreneur, but I do know what it is to start something from the ground up and to achieve success with it. And uh, my clients, I would say, are much more in the entrepreneurial seat than me. Some of them have got multiple things that they're that they're doing, but I'm always an ideas person. I like, that's the thing about an entrepreneur. We're assailed by ideas. We see all the possibilities. So sometimes my job is to help people cope with that, find their center and navigate. Thomas Leonard said, I am assailed by ideas at such velocity that I am defenseless. I love that. Yeah. That is a true entrepreneur. And I would argue that you're definitely an entrepreneur. Anybody that can go into business and say it wasn't successful and then get up and go and do it again, to me is absolutely, you have drank the Kool-Aid, my friend. You're yeah, I, the and you know, I've just, in the last eight months, I've started another business. I hadn't thought of it this way, but <laughs> I've, gone into, I've gone into acting and I've just moved myself to Los Angeles and I'm submitting for auditions and I've, I have been paid the kingly sum of $2,000 in my first eight months of acting. And I'm very proud of that. So that's a business as well. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you got to find it. Dude, you are more committed to that by moving across country, buying, getting a place in LA, moving your entire life in there. That is a commitment of epic proportions and absolutely true sign of an entrepreneur. Thank you. You do what it takes. Right? So I'm here doing it. I got acting class goes from seven till 11 tonight and I'm, I'm not a, a night owl. Um, but yeah, you find, you find the angles, you find the strategies and then you work it um, to get success in that field. Right. That's, that's what entrepreneurs do. And so I'm doing this. I hadn't thought of it that way. I got all sorts of insights due to you. Hey. You. Hey, hey, you're good. Hey, hey. I, I'm sneaky too. Just, just wriggle them in there. <laughs> you're not even looking. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Again, you have been awesome. David, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah, go to Mouse in the Room, get the book and tell your friends to get the book because mouse naming is going to be a lot easier if your team, your staff, your partner, your kids are all up on mouse naming and they're like, oh, that's what we're doing. We're going to go to a deeper level of truth. You can do it alone. It's a lot easier if everyone's doing it with you. So go to right. mouseintheroom.com and get the book. What a great activity to do in a company with your clients. With That is awesome. Yes. Go, go to the mouse in the room. Mouse in the room. Not the, just mouse in the room. Yeah, we dropped the V for the URL, mouseintheroom.com. Awesome. Excellent. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business. Thank you for being here today. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so that we can help you get it up and keep it up when you need us because we're here for you. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.